Welcome back to Following Noah on a Stormlight Podcast. This week is episode 182, and we are in chapter 65 through 70 of the Hero of Ages, well into part 5 of the last book of Mistborn Era 1. Elliot, how are you? Good. I'm chilling, literally and figuratively. Been a little chilly lately. There's a good foot of snow out my out my back door right now. It's kind of piled up the last few uh, last few snowstorms. And like ash slowly piling up and, and taking over the world. That's the the snow in my backyard right now. How much snow do you have outside your door, Paul? Well, I don't want to brag. You know, I'm not about that. Uh... But I think we had. I think we. It actually rained for the last three days, so and not, nothing at the moment. But it has been rainy. If it were just cold enough in Texas to actually snow, then maybe we would have had that. But um, high of seventy tomorrow, so it'd be a, be nice and sunny. You know, I felt bad. My lovely and dear wife went to Barnes and Noble for me, and to purchase a copy of The Way of Kings because I want to give a copy of The Way of Kings to one of my coworkers who is leaving this coming week. And she slipped on ice on the way out of Barnes & Noble and uh, bruised her knee pretty bad, so I felt, I felt bad about that, but it was all in the name of buying a Sanderson book, so it's, it's worth it, right? But I guess that's not hazards you have in Texas, huh? Nope. Nope. We've had a we had like a, a, a really big freeze a couple of years ago and I remember I that. Unironic, like whenever that happened, it was unironically really bad of like it rained and froze really bad and, and I think Texas literally put in new legislation to like I don't know. Do, I don't know if legislation sounds really strong, but they they've added a lot of precaution to try and have a level of preparedness because there was nothing. There was there is no no fixing the roads, just nobody could do anything for like three days. So, all right, let's roll intro and then we'll get a chapter summary from Elliot. Whenever you're ready, Elliot. Okie doke. Well, if it wasn't getting exciting before, we are really, we're really getting to it now. the The end of the book is is in sight. Maybe a mere hundred, hundred fifty pages, something like that. So, to set the set the scene. We're still at Badrick City with Elland and his whole army outside the city. He chooses not to attack. Seems like a very important decision. I actually want to talk about that specifically. He does not attack, but Ruin instigates the the battle anyway, and taking control of the Coloss in the in the meanwhile. Vin, who's still being held captive by Yeoman in the city, comes up against Marsh, who is who is there, and Ruin is there. Everyone's kind of there together. Vin and Marsh have a, have a bit of a showdown. Vin is able to draw upon the mists for the third time ever. The third second. time. Second. She tried to do it before and it just it wouldn't go, right? Right. She's fighting Zane and it and it wouldn't do it. Second successful time. She yeah, is able to chase off Mars. Gains control of him through kind of that Palomancy pushing on a Himmler preacher method. So interesting things happening there. But Bruin gets control of Marsh again. Marsh scampers off. Everything's going crazy. Over in Sazed's world, arrives at the homeland of the Chondra with Ensoon, and they engage in dialogue about history and religion and trying to maybe decipher what Ruin doesn't want them to know. Lots of interesting little bits and pieces there. And then let's see. It's kind of wrapping up. Yeah, Ellen 
discovers pretty big discovery that the mists that has been causing everyone to get sick or even die apparently is on their side and the mist has been causing people to snap and become alamancers so all these mist fallen that have become ill or fallen to the mist are actually now alamancers so ellen realized hey i've got a whole army of alamancers with me and where we leave it at chapter 70. the mists i want to i want to start at the mists it's really odd to me that it has what 16 percent of people falling ill to the mists and then what one sixth of those die was that the math I don't remember the number, but yeah, a portion of them. So then that would leave, leave five-sixths of 16% to be either Mistborn or a Misting. So somewhere, I feel like somewhere in there, I've lost the sauce on the math. Like, wh where does that work out to 16? Like, so there's going to be 16 Mistings. And then Mistborn, so 17 possibilities, right? So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I just get a little confused on, we're striking down one-sixth of the population, or is it 16% of the population? I don't remember. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. All this to say, uh, preservation's being a little weird, <laughs> in my opinion. It's very cryptic, and, and while we see the number 16 a lot, it's still not clear to me why 16, I guess. I mean, there's, like, they mentioned Ada Nauseam in this book, you know, and there's stuff with that. But, like, the number 16, I mean, maybe y'all know, maybe I'm forgetting something, but I still don't fully understand the full relevance of why 16 is important. I guess it is just, like, preservation's a number here, and that's why it's important period um i don't know if there's supposed to be anything past that but okay you just said something interesting you said it was preservation's number is that true or is it preservation and ruins number like combined that may be that may may that may be more accurate i, I don't um, know i don't know the answer it's like it's the number of alimentic metals so therefore i'm saying it's included it's important to the investiture here Therefore, I'm saying it's important to the shards here. Right. Um, I've always assumed the Alamance take metal stuff, which, I mean, the metal is... I mean, they still have the same metals with hemallergy and stuff, right? Like, it, there are still those. It's a bit different, but it's still, like, those, I guess, 16 abilities, I would say. So I think it is preservation and ruin there, but I guess it's, um, I mean, there are other numbers on other planets, you know, like 10 is a common, you know, pop a number of significance and stuff like that. Like, I think it's just a number of significance here in the story and I can kind of leave it at that, but you know, they do really hit it home. They're like 16%. Like, that's come up a lot. There's 16 medals. Like, it, it's really, it's like it's what we've been waiting for this whole time. And while it's a neat coincidence, I don't know if it's like the big takeaway, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of cool stuff going on. So, yeah, no. Yeah, I agree with where Trevor was going. Reservation is either weirdly specific or. Maybe the Cosmere is weirdly specific and is kind of imposing rules on preservation. Pre preservation, maybe, is just trying to make as many answers as he can. Right. And there's metaphysics, whatever you want to call it, about the Cosmere that goes, eh, nope, you can only have 16%. Yeah, I don't know. I'm still stuck on the question of is 16 specifically preservation's number or if it's preservation plus ruin, but I... Don't know if we'll ever know. We got four more books on, on Scadrial, so we got four more books to figure it out. Yeah, and okay, so just as a reference for you guys and for anyone listening, I will be 
rereading Mistborn Era 2 ahead of time for the podcast so I know what to what to hint at and what to not to. I have learned my lesson. It only took me, you know, four years of this podcast. But um I will be rereading Mistborn Era 2 ahead of time. Um so as to not, you know, blunder my way into spoiling something. Elliot, you said there's an interesting way to open this episode of Vin, so at the at the last chapter of last episode, Vin predicts or bluffs, maybe I don't know the the right word to say, that tells Ruin and Yeoman, Ellen won't attack. I'm I'm confident Ellen won't Ellen won't attack. And then at the beginning of chapter sixty five, Ellen is having a conversation with Ham, and Ham says. No. You know what? This is not right. And Ellen says, yeah, you're right. I just came to the same conclusion at the same time. So let's pull back and let's retreat. How did Vin know that Ellen would come to that conclusion? How did, how did Vin know? The more intriguing question to me is why did Ellen, but we'll get to that in a second. How did, how did Vin know? I don't know. Maybe she didn't. Maybe it was, maybe it was a having faith or hope in Ellen. Maybe the kind of hope where it's, and I really hope he does this. So I'm gonna pretend like that's exactly what he's gonna do and hope I speak it into existence, kind of thing. You remember the name of the part? I remember the name of the part. I do not trust. Oh, okay, yeah. Which is incredibly fitting. I, I love that, as an aside. That's, like, why Ellen and Vin are together. That's what Vin liked about Ellen, was that he trusted her. And then now we're seeing that trust reciprocated. Which is really, really cute, really fun. And just, like, really meaningful as we go forward. And, yeah, I, I love that. Maybe when Elliot gives his word, his... um. You know, summary of part five. It may, he may have an easier time coming up with a word. <laughs> you don't have to use not. trust, but I'm like, you could go with the title, and I feel like you could make a case for it, you know? At least maybe it won't be quite as depressing as the, the games I've pulled from the previous parts. That's true. It's at least not like despair or something like right. that, you know? Something kind of positive. So a quick rundown of the battle here. Ellen sets up his troops, then decides not to attack, pulls them back, and then Ruin forces, Ruin through Marsh, forces Yeoman to attack, rushes out of his gates to attack. Then Ellen sounds a full retreat, like they were going to take their time packing up and leave, but as they're getting attacked, they, they run away and leave, and they have their Kolos go first because they can clear the ash a lot better faster and then all the soldiers can you know just leave Coloss get about you know 100 yards down the field ruin turns the Coloss back on to elland yeoman takes this as a sign of his loyalty being rewarded to the lord ruler of yes you've delivered me um from my enemies that type of thing and then vin takes control of her 1000 Coloss, which conveniently ruined forgot about and turns them on yeoman's soldiers which then swaps yeoman to thinking these coloss are not what i think they are that they, they have the ability to turn on my um soldiers that convinces him to let ellen into the city against the coloss and that's how kind of the battle ends up so it's it's ellen and coloss Against Yeoman, Yeoman attacks, Coloss attack, Ellen switches to Yeoman's side, and at the end of the episode, Ellen and Yeoman are taking refuge in Fadrex, and V, V, Vin leaves um, at the end of the episode to lead Ruin away. And that's how we leave uh, the episode. So by, by the end of the episode, Yeoman's kind of hanging out. He's, you know, we talked last episode. 
this guy's still around. You know, yep, he's still here. Um, and now he's now he's an ally. I will never forget Elliot calling Yeoman the banana for scale. Banana for scale. <laughs> that has really <laughs> stuck with me, and I don't think I will. I don't think I will ever forget it. I really don't. You're welcome. That's that's my new favorite. Like like if I started over right now and reread it, I would just be thinking of that the entire time <laughs> that I hear his name. And I'm really thankful for that because I mean, Yeoman has, you know, served his purpose in the story, but he's I mean, he's just not my favorite character. He's not the most notable. So I'm now have something to attach to to his name, which I think is really fun. Yep. Yeoman Yeoman the banana. I liked this whole scene because of because of or this whole kind of drawn out series of scenes because of Ellen's role in it. Actually, you've got Ruin who is just trying to destroy. He he just wants Colossus to crush humans, to crush humans, to crush Colossus. He just wants carnage. And Ellen resists. Ellen's not spiked as far as we know in fact i think one of the epigraphs like specifically mentioned that he wasn't spiked yep so it's not like he's not quite like vin or others that are actively battling ruin in their minds but he still is battling the will of ruin and he does it really well in the in the scene twice specifically he chooses not to attack as the army Part of the whole reason why he's there is to defeat Yeoman and get to Ash, the ATM, all that kind of stuff he thinks are there. And he doesn't. He He's the one in all this acting against the destructive motive of Ruin. And I, I love that. I love the standing up against everything and not making the easy decision, making the not obvious but correct decision to not attack. Good on Ellen. It was the dying wish of preservation, though uh, Ellen didn't know who he was talking to at the time. I didn't remember exactly how Fadrex ended up, um, or how the, the the battle ended. Though so that that this was uh, re- refreshing for for me. I knew that Vin eventually ran back towards Luthadel, but I didn't remember why or how. So. Rereading this was nice. Which, by the way, let's talk about that for a second. So, Vin's role in all this eventually results in she realizes some things, can't say them aloud because Ruin will hear her. Yeah. And decides, like, in her own head, she can't share this plan with anyone. She's just going to run to and try and draw and he just successfully drew on the mist and she comes to the conclusion that she has to be in moments of like crude dire need yeah that's her plan and so she's like <laughs> all right it's the plan i just need to put myself in such ridiculous dire need that the mist has to help me yeah that is- that is such a bin way to make a decision. That is no other character anywhere makes a decision with the state of their entire planet hanging on it as I need to put myself in as much danger as possible. Done. Let's go. Well, I, I mean, I guess the title of this part is Trust. So she's just reckless abandoned, put her trust in the mist here you know it worked worked before and so it's just wreck i mean it's 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 reckless beta but i I mean that that is why she does it ultimately as insane as it is i think she does trust that will happen maybe maybe it's more hope than trust i guess maybe she more so has trust for ellen and hope that the mists will bail her out again and she doesn't understand. She still doesn't understand how or why the mists would, you know, help her. Which is which is pretty baffling. But also at this point, in my head, I wonder like, what other choice does she really have? It it really sucks. But I feel like she doesn't really have much else to do, and so it's like, might as well. <laughs> 
might as well try this again, you know. See see if see if I'll get bailed out again by the by the mists. So when you're when you're against the super smart omnipresent god ruin and he's thought of every outcome, you just gotta be stupid and he won't see it coming and then he'll doubt himself. There you go. It's it's actually as kind of making fun of Vin, but it's honestly not the worst plan. We, we've talked before. We don't even know what our heroes are supposed to do. We, we don't even know what the what the goal is or how to stop ruin. We just have some vague ideas or says it has a few questions that still remain, but there's no there's no quest. There's no goal at this point. It's stop ruin. Oh yeah, we have no idea how to do that. So yeah, the world's falling apart. Everyone's dying. Doing just crazy random stuff to try and get lucky that probably is the most valid strategy at this point to be honest isn't that what vin says like she doesn't really know what to do so she just tries to get him to play his hand kind of thing yeah like maybe 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 if he shows more of what he's trying to do um then she can you know she can figure something out it's 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 not watertight by any means but it is it's like the the effort you know the the only thing i guess to try and do speaking of hints and and questions we're not quite sure what to do with but there's another one that stood out to me in this chapter chapter 60 is it 65 yeah 65 where she has the showdown with marsh I've been keeping my eye on kind of tracing what happens to it. Vin's earring. Okay. I've ke- I keyed into that a long time ago. We we're trying to figure that out. At this point, we've we've realized that it's a spike. It's in Vin's body. We know that has implications with ruin. Vin can see ruin. I, I put all that much together now. So I'm watching it. I'm watching that earring closely. That earring does something rather dramatic in this chapter. It flies straight through Marsh's skull. Yeah. And then she puts it right back in and her ear. <laughs> yes. Yes, she does. She takes That's it out true. and she shoots it through Marsh. Uh, temporarily taking him out, which, by the way, is like exactly what Kelsier told her, right? At one point, Kelsier. Yep. like, yeah, you should hang on to that. Maybe you might find yourself in a pinch one day and need to shoot it at somebody. That's exactly what she just did. At her, at <laughs> yeah. his brother. At his brother. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I noticed Vin draws upon the mist after that earring incident. The earring shoots. The earring comes out, shoots through Marsh. Then Vin draws on the mist and is able to successfully gain control of Marsh with like a super Duraliman style push. And I, I don't know quite what to, to do with that other than I'm watching that earring closely and it's going to be important. Yeah, I won't say much more than that. I agree. And also, Marsh goes all ferrochemy in this scene and grows like monster size as well as if he didn't need more superpowers. I don't know if we knew if that was if he could do that. Or not. I didn't. I didn't remember if we knew that or not. I mean, it's not a surprise at this point because we've we've learned enough about hemallergic to know that you can steal allomantic powers. I think it's been at least hinted at, if not directly talked about in the epigraphs, that you can do aerochemy type stuff with with hemology as well so it wasn't a surprise to me other than it was like oh marsh can do that now yeah so he's he's coming awfully hard to stop although unless you have an earring i guess you can shoot through his brain although she doesn't take his spikes out like Rizzle, in that moment i was like vin you should know enough by now that Kill if him. you want to stop him you you gotta you gotta like him she she had a moment and she missed it uh she didn't have medals at that point did she 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 used the opportunity to steal his medals. I, yes, but there's a moment. So so she uses the the moment she the opportunity she gets she steals the medal. Yes. Then she battles with him. 
defeats him by shooting the earring through his skull. He's now down on the ground. Oh, okay. She, go, she like goes to do other stuff. And then I forget exactly how it all happens. But there, there was a moment there where it was like, if you had reached down and pulled the spike out, then you, you could have ended Marsh and she doesn't. Oh yeah. You, you're right. Cause she was too busy trying to like debate with Yeoman to pull his troops back. Like she, probably she was holding off Marsh like over here and then shouting at Yeoman as well. Anyway, Marsh escapes, runs off, then puts the back in. We move does. on. Okay. I, I do want to talk about Marsh. He, he escapes into chapter like 69, 68. Yep. And he completely decapitates literally the entire spook storyline. We yep. Spook has sent good Captain Gorodel in search of Vin through the mist or through the mists through the ash by himself and just kind of nonchalantly uh Marsh crests this hill and says, Oh look, there's a dude, chops his head off, keeps walking. I'm like, what? Like <laughs> that was that was the whole half the book that we spent with Spook to gain this little piece of information on this metal, and it's gone. Marsh reads the reads the note, kills the horse, kills the guy, and keeps walking. I thought that was. Is it, I did not see that coming. I thought that was kind of weird. It is. It is funny. Also, I will say, if you're listening to the audiobook of this and you are kind of you, you kind of have to pay attention because for a second there, I've already read this book. But for a second there, like, you hear Marsh is killing this guy, reads the note, signed Spook. And I'm like, for a, for a split second, I was like, did he just kill Spook? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but then I realized, I was like, no, 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 this wasn't actually Spook. But honestly, the fr- the phrasing of it, um, I guess if you weren't uh, 100% zoned in at the moment, it kind of sounds like he kills Spook. Yeah, which uh, I, I was, guess it is does. not what happens. Um I will say also, isn't it pretty? In- I could be wrong. I think it's kind of intentional after he kills him and reads it that this was like, I mean, he's mostly completely controlled by Ruin. Like, he's pretty completely controlled by Ruin, but all the stuff we've seen is that Ruin is not 100% controlling him all the time. Like, he's controlling a lot of people and isn't always paying full attention to everybody. But isn't this pretty orchestrated by Ruin? Like, he. he- like that's why he didn't yeah. Marsh isn't just like himself running around looking for this guy to kill him or whatever. Yeah, Ruin was definitely doing like this I think Ruin Ruin knew what was going on and 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 kind of did that, which I guess it makes a lot more sense, I guess, than but than if it were just uh Marsh on his own. I don't know. I, I this took me by surprise. I thought Gorodel was gonna, you know, show up while Vin is fighting, you know, a bunch of Inquisitors or, like, ruin himself or something, and be like, take out the earring! Take out the earring! And then that's the epic moment. No, he just gets his head chopped off. The end. It is one of those threads that seems like it was pointed out deliberately. Like, we'd spent time with Spook, realizing that, writing it down, oh, I must get this to Vin. Oh, I'll take it against all odds. I'll, I'll see if I can get it there. And then to have it, yeah, so just abruptly... Was was yeah a little jarring. Maybe that's maybe that's Brandon intentionally telling us, hey, you can't you can't always read the the meta and and try and know where I'm going just because it was clearly an important moment. Nope. Right. Sometimes there'll be more important moments that come to absolutely nothing. Should we talk about Sazed? Definitely should talk about Sazed. Alrighty, so. Uh, Ten soon eats a pig and then a horse and becomes pig horse Ten soon, so he can super run across the final empire and deliver Sazed to the homeland. Uh, what do you think of Super Hog Horse Condra? Super Hog Horse, I love it. I was I was trying not to laugh. I think. Although I can, I can hear the epic score, the music, as Sazed gallops across the ash filled on the giant horse to save the world. But I, just, just the sight of 
like the zombie huge horse and soon seems comical in in my mind i don't know exactly why maybe maybe it would look just fine and, and normal but just imagine like little baby says it on top of this giant like slide still size, size shadium size I, I don't even know you know horse just kind of barreling through the ash yeah i i just thought it was an odd detail to include yep and uh tensoon ate a hog to accomplish this but it it did open my eyes to okay they conjure can eat multiple skeletons and morph multiple things at the same time which is an interesting concept like you could get like a cool pegasus mount something going on you could get some wings and some oh, true. Know, horse and fly around would they uh, have something i mean i guess he'd have to make that but would he have any like big enough wings to we not like i don't know like would he be able to make wings that size does he have to have I don't know. Maybe that that's probably a rabbit hole I shouldn't go down. But I'm like, yeah, Pegasus has got to have some big wings, you know, not just like a crow, like some like bird or whatever that he found, you know? Yeah. But that'd be pretty cool. The, the pig was a good reminder for me that we're talking about Mist Wraith type creature where he can't just magically swell to whatever size he wants. He needs the physical muscles. So he has to ingest the pig to get just all that raw material of muscle and bone and sinew to then create the massive horse. And he can't just can't just be whatever he wants. He has to he has to build it. Legos. Legos. Yes. Okay. Um in the midst of all this death and destruction, I, I believe Gorodel dies the chapter right after this happens. Um Sazed shows up in a rather comical scene to the homeland and the conjure guards like these poor like ninth tenth generation kid conjure guards who are sitting out there are have quite the reaction to say is it saying oh no i'm a human can you uh take me to your leader please uh, i thought that was a good good comical scene because he turns some heads as he walks into the homeland here he also follows that up with some it's it's almost bluffing in a way. He he dramatically marches into the main council chamber, announces Vin, announces with a capital A. He he calls himself the announcer, and then announces that Vin is the new hero. In this very dramatic, very religious way, that we we know that Sazed has kind of given up on religion. Yeah, at this point. And so for him to, in this moment, kind of act the part and put on a show for the the conjure to try and win them over, get hit their attention or whatever he's he's going for, it's he's kind of play, playing on a bluff. I think he's not quite sure how the conjure are going to react or what exactly they believe or what they're going for. He kind of has a few hints and and hunches, and he just kind of goes all in in this moment. He does use all his knowledge as like a cudgel almost to get his to <laughs> work his way in his his entire strategy for like well, well we'll set his personal stuff aside for a second he wants to know what ruins up to and the way he figures this out is okay you guys have the original religion i have a bunch of like hand-me-downs and root or you have the root religion. So Sazed has the what would, branches? Sure, there you go. Like the, the offshoots uh religions. So he's like, okay, how did Ruin manipulate these from this and we can figure out what he's up to? Because we need to know why he was changing these things or we figure out what he was changing and then we can try to figure out why. Which is an interesting uh approach it's actually it's actually really clever and i'm a little frustrated with myself that i didn't see this because either last episode or the episode before i was complaining it's probably last episode that we we don't know we don't know how to go after ruin we don't even know how to stop him we don't know how to go look for more information we don't even know what to do and all we had is this hope that 
Sazed was going to go and religion and maybe a nugget would reveal itself of, oh, there's a secret to defeat ruin. The, I, I should have come to this conclusion because it's actually really clever. We've been told that the first generation of Chandra are the original Paris Pac-Man that were with Rashek on the day of everything a thousand years ago. So they have the truth. That alone may not be everything they need, but Sazed has the ruin-tainted version. And so this is genius. Take the, the original, compare it to what you know Ruin has changed, and it will point you directly to what Ruin doesn't want you to know. Right. You still might have to put the pieces together. You still are going to have to solve the puzzle, but at least now you can find... Now you have the pieces of the puzzle. You can know, oh, Ruin changed that. Obviously, he didn't want us to know that. And so being able to compare notes like this between the original and the, the corrupted version is actually brilliant. Brilliant move. Yeah, I agree. They, the, the first generation reveal themselves up until now they've said one sentence uh, to Conpar, but they, they come down from their high cathedral tower and uh, shocked the rest of the Contra as if they weren't shocked by Sazed already. Um, that's that's kind of where we leave Sazed. Um, at the end of the episode, he's he's beginning to compare notes, but he hasn't discovered anything yet. So, super quick, I told you so moment. Not really, I told you so. There's a prediction that that came true. Maybe one of the easiest predictions of this series. I claimed at the end of last book. I want to say. We, there's the there's a little diagram of the different alimantic metals. And in the back of book two, it, it forms an incomplete circle. And as soon as I saw that, I instantly knew, this is Brandon. He likes things that are complete and symmetrical and fit nicely. That for sure is going to be a complete circle, which if you count up you know, the missing segments, meant that there would be 16 alimantic metals. The yeoman comes out and says that specifically in chapter 70. He goes, oh yeah, and by the way, there's 16 medals. And I think it's Ellen is there at the moment. Yeah. Is like, what? And, and a scene closes, I think. But that was my, aha, well, I knew it moment. And yeoman says, well, I only know of 14, but I'm sure there's 16. So. so I'd have to go back and do some counting, but I'm not sure exactly how many were missing out of those 16 or if we have i don't think we have 16 that we know of there's a, there's a few more to go to fill in but at least according to yeoman there are 16 it it also depends on if you count the weird ones like do you count silver do you count aluminum do you count atm like that the, there's some weird ones in there do they go in the pie chart yeah. or not and things like atm surely yes it's like aluminum surely yes Silver, probably. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe when the book's done, I'll have to get out some, some drawing paper and sketch it all out and do an Excel spreadsheet on it. There's a there's a finished chart. Once you're done with the book, you don't need to do that. You can go look in the back of the book. I might do it anyway. I mean, come on, Trevor. Can't a man have any fun nowadays? Uh no. Any okay. anything before we get into Stormlight spoilers for this week, gentlemen? All I had one one thing I just want to say. This isn't necessarily a big conversation point, but um, the stuff that happens with say that like this with Sazed and Tensoon. I think Sazed is my favorite character in Miss Born Era One. He's way up there for me on like all of Cosmere. May maybe my favorite Cosmere all time character. Wow. Def definitely way up there. Uh, like in the top top several. So I think he's awesome. And this stuff like is where it really hits home. Like his Elliot kinda mentioned before of this like um of of kinda him having to find 
find his faith, find his belief or something. That's kind of the story he's going on here. And it's it's starting to dig into that more. It was kind of floating, I feel like, um, throughout a lot of the story of this book, at least. And it's starting to come into it here, and he's starting to dig into the Chandra. And it's it's where it's, it, it's really awesome, and, and I just really like Sazed. So, yeah, that's just an aside. Very good. I'm gonna I do look. have some book Stormlight stuff, but yeah. Just to, just to tack on to your thought before we move on to Stormlight. I'm going to very carefully wait until the end of the book to draw any conclusions on Sazed. I'll leave it at that. That's that's fair. I understand that. What about future books? You're assuming that he's done by the end of this book, huh? Yeah, what the oh, heck? True, totally fair. I the the end of this book is end of a end of a trilogy, right? End of a end of an arc. I will I will draw some conclusions or take a stance at the end of of this book. That definitely possible. He appears in the future, and I may have to revise those thoughts or you know. A new character arc for say said. End of this book, I'll share my thoughts. All right, Paul, you have something on the outline for Stormlight spoilers. Yes. So this is this is a question I have for y'all. Um, okay, N- now we're we're past the veil of of Stormlight spoilers. So you know that's your formal warning if you're listening. Um, in Stormlight. As as we've as where we are current, Stormlight end of end of Stormlight four, beginning of looking toward the beginning of Stormlight five. Our we know our characters are up against Odium. We know that's like the main threat. If that not, is who our characters are up against, if not also cultivation, it might be yes. That's might that, be both of them. That's fair. That's fair. For this, I'm just going to talk about Odium. I think Odium, there's at least some similarities you can kind of draw of Odium and Ruin. Now that we're getting to see Ruin, the the, the individual, if you will, of Ruin a bit more, the, the, I don't know, just the details of Ruin. And we've seen a bit of the details of Odium. What he is, what makes up Odium. It's this, like, passion, all this stuff, right? How do you feel about, like, our characters just being up against a shard. Like in, in Stormlight, we have I feel like there's a lot more um I I use the word in the outline like uh I think our Stormlight characters have more in, enlightenment. Yeah. I think they're a little more aware of the implications of what a shard is. Right. And and what this means. I mean, I'm gonna take Hoyt out of the equation. Obviously he knows like the most. But Dalinar, Yasna, uh, I don't know. Maybe she'll like like. There's there's characters in them that just know a bit. I feel like about the implications of Odium. Maybe not Shalon. I threw that name out there. But they they're they've been in the the cognitive realm. A lot of our characters have been. They understand. They they have way they're way more Cosmere aware. There's even other characters that are kind of wild cards in here that I think probably do know, but we don't see that as much. Um, Zyle and Azure, maybe. Thydekar, the Ghostbloods. Like, there's a lot of people in the equation that are way more aware than our characters here are in Mistborn. Looking at Mistborn, we have Vin and Elend, who are, like, learning this now. They're, they're learning this, they're figuring it out right now. Stazid is learning about this, and a lot of it isn't necessarily like Cosmere Shard stuff. It's it's stuff related to the prophecy and the religion that they know there right. on Scadrial. That's what Stazid is mostly like looking into, right? But I'm curious to know how y'all feel about like like we've talked about it. Of they don't really have a there's no plan, you know. Stormlight, there's this contest of champions kind of thing, like. That there's this agreement, like that there there's a bit set up. This it's like, all right, I'm gonna go try to figure out what Ruin wants to do, and then I guess I'll try to figure out once I figure that out what to do to defeat him. You know, right. it's it's very gone with the wind, <laughs> and and such. And so I feel like our characters, 
like looking at it, I'm like, there's the the odds of success are zero, like no, not zero, point one, you know. Versus Stormlight, I feel like they have a bit more awareness of what's what's going on, you know. So well, I, I was I was curious to bring that point up to y'all. Like you said, in Stormlight, there's multiple tiers. Like Vin and Ellen are kind of on the same level of Kaladin, where Kaladin's just kind of keep my head down, do what I know is right. Anything that happens way up there, like I'll react to, but I'm not worrying about it, right? And uh, another thing I didn't point out. Go, go, go ahead. ahead and finish your point, but then but, I have. But then there's like you know Yasna and Wit and Renarin, like the 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 people who are thinking bigger picture and are trying to fight Odium. Kaladin is not trying to fight Odium. He's trying to protect Bridge Four, and that's it. Like that's what he's trying to do. So Vin is you know trying to react and trying to fight Ruin as best she knows, but she doesn't know anything. Um, One thing I was going to throw in there is also in Stormlight, while we haven't gotten the most helpful information from them, there still are the Heralds around, sort of around, and so there's just a lot more awareness on Roshar, I think, of who Odium is and what the situation is and stuff, so... You know, like that that can't hurt whenever you're up against a shard, you know. As I was reading your, your note in the outline here, Paul, and hearing you talk, I thought of another comparison or interesting parallel between Roshar and, and Scadrial. We have a similar scenario in that we have a, I'll use these terms loosely, good shard and a bad shard. Fighting against each other, more or less, yes. Yeah, I, I, you're shaking your head, and I completely agree. I, I don't. I want to necessarily want to paint, you know, shards as as good or evil in this conversation. But that's probably another conversation. Preservation versus ruin, honor versus motivations in the mix there somewhere. But here's the parallel: preservation is dead. Honor is dead. In, in both scenes, at least as where we're at right now in, in the Hero of Ages, kind of equivalent. And that the the shard that would fight to help or protect all our heroes is broken or shattered or dead. And so it's the heroes kind of taking up the fight against the destructive slash slash evil shard. So in that sense, I, I feel like it's really similar. And that it's your common day hero, your paladin, your vin, versus galactic cosmic power podium slash ruin. So I, I actually actually feel like they're in really similar, even though maybe they don't quite understand as much as the Rosarians understand maybe a little more of the context of what's going on. Anything else? Alrighty. Stormlight refresher, anyone? Oh boy. I always forget about these. <laughs> Turn your brain on. Until it's in my face. Okay. Let's go. Paul, what's the score? Four to two? Four to two. You are trailing two points. Yes. Your lead. With your chapter name. The Legend You Live. The Legend You Live? The Legend You Live. I feel like I usually have a pretty educated guess with these. And I don't know if I have much of an educated guess for this one. The legend you live. I forgot to preface this. This week's trivia is rather difficult. (laughs) Okay. Okay. The legend you live. Okay. I'm just going to pick. I think I'm just going to pick a chapter out of my memory. I think the legend you live. I think the the thing that stuck in my head is that this is about someone that in Roshar is sort of you know legendary, if you will. Um, Okay. I'm wondering if it's like a chapter that maybe not that we meet a herald. The legend you live. No, it has to be something like meaningful I'm going to go with that this is 
okay, I'm gonna say this is a some just random triumphant moment. I think this is when I really have so little for this. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this is the chapter that Shalon and Kaladin like come back to the camp after they've been stuck in the high storm in the chasm or whatever. I'm gonna say it's it's that and they're they're kind of a little bit of a legend and they lived through that that horrible, you know, storm. So that's what I'm going with. You can give me the buzzer, that's fine. Incorrect. I don't, was not sure on this one. Elliot? This is another one that's familiar. It's one of those I feel like I should know. I remember remember discussion about this vaguely, but not enough to pinpoint at events or characters specifically. But it's gotta be it's gotta be one of those epic Paladin or Dalinar existential crisis moments. Maybe maybe not like the climax, but at least the this is who I am or this is who I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be the the legend that I that I live. I'm gonna lean Dalinar. Give you a, a vague enough answer that kind of applies to multiple chapters and hope that you give it to me. I think this is Dalinar somewhere in Oathbringer, like struggling with with who he is and coming to grips with his past and trying to move forward with being a better being a better man. You can be as vague as you want, but as soon as you said Dalinar, you were incorrect. <laughs> ah. This is strategy, though. I'm going to remember that. (laughs) (laughs) This is Kaladin doing something cool. And yeah. Yeah. This this is actually Kaladin doing something cool. This is Kaladin defeating the Pursuer at the end of Rhythm of War. And he has defeated his legacy. And that is the equivalent of killing him, is he has killed the legend that he lives. So, Paul, you are correct. It is about somebody who is legendary around Roshar. It's just not who you're thinking about. The Pursuer is famous for hunting down and killing anybody who kills him because he's reincarnated. But now that Kaladin has killed him twice, uh, the Pursuer actually doesn't live to come back. He is killed by L in the next chapter back on Bray. Actually, it's in Kolinar. All right. Elliot, your quote ID. Boy. The facts, sorry, the facts align. The truth has always been, will now soon manifest to all. You are correct. A traitor he is. A lot of convoluted words for a rather simple statement. Where does that fit? Traitor he is. I was going to make you do it anyway. Can you read it again? (laughs) I was just about to ask. (laughs) The facts align. The truth that has always been will now soon manifest to all. You are correct. A traitor he is. Didn't make any more sense the second time. <laughs> this is a hard one. There's a few different scenes I could try and go for. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. This? Oh, what's his name? Uh oh, you're in trouble, Paul. You're in trouble. He knows it. Oh, shoot. I, I think I know who this is about. I cannot remember the name of who it is, though. But who says that? I need to say who says this quote. Yes. This is... This is... If I'm right, this is kind of an obscure one, and you're you mean to pick it. This is mean. This, uh, I, I told you, this whole week is mean. Okay, so this is... At, um, oh, I can't remember the names. So Adolin and Maya are in uh, the city that I can't even remember the name of. Uh, the big brick city that they walk up the walls. Yeah. Ever everlasting something. Ever everlasting integrity. You're right. Is, is that what it is? Okay. Lasting integrity. Everlasting ex- last lasting integrity. Lasting integrity. They're in that place. 
that the one spren dude that was the ship captain helped them and was a traitor in doing so. That's who they're talking about. I can't remember what his name is. The person who's saying this is like the accuser guy. It's after Adolin. It's not what's his pose, the Herald guy. It's um it's the it's the Spren dude who's like out there to try and get him. The judge dude. Yeah, well yeah. Well like the the Herald guy is like the ultimate judge, right? But it's the it's the attorney basically that's prosecuting him. Yeah, that's a better word for it. Oh him. my gosh. Oh my gosh. Incorrect. Paul, your turn. How he break this team? Because I'm like, <laughs> if he's talking with the right person, he deserves it. Um, I was I was just gonna cut him off there and let him anguish on the name. I also feel like that name is on the tip of my tongue, and I'm afraid I I'm afraid I don't know it either. If it is, so I I had I was I'm <laughs> a bit flustered. I thought I had I thought I kind of knew this or had a really really good guess. But it was not not what you were describing at all. So uh, don't say guess yourself. That's what we've learned on these. That's fair. So my initial guess, given given the quote that you said, and I won't make you reread it since you already did earlier. I'm I'm just gonna guess what I what I thought. Yeah, like like you're saying because I I can't remember the the name of the captain of the whatever either. Um, I thought this was Gavilar talking in one of the prologue chapters to, to like what was it the prologue of Oathbringer I think it was when he was talking to the uh the singers that's what I thought this was uh that is incorrect incorrect that's, that that's that's what I that was my educated guess okay okay so here comes round 2 is the same speaker this is not a reply this is going to be the same the, the same person talking to the same person. So you still have to guess the same quote. I'll, I'll read the whole thing. The facts align. The truth that has always been will now soon manifest to all. You are correct. A traitor he is. That is a spren of odium. Corrupted spren. But a human bonded to one? This thing is not. Back to Elliot. Yeah, that didn't help me at all. <laughs> Are we talking about... I can't process too much or I'm going to just hand it to Paul. It, it, the diction of this person is, is throwing me. Throwing me hard. Like this, is, this is how the like, honor spread talk. But I, I went that route and, and got buzzard. I Nail? I don't know. It's nail. Incorrect. Oh, you got one more shot. Okay. Can you read the second half of it again? I I had that, I think I actually have my guess, but I want to I want to hear it again. That is a spren of odium, a corrupted spren. But a human bonded to one, this thing is not. That's the part that throws me a little bit. A human bonded to one, this one is not. This thing is not. Part of me has wanted to say that this is like my initial guess. Actually, I kind of took a turn here in that whenever they were talking about void spren and I don't know stuff like this. This is this is pretty wrong. But I'm just gonna go once again with my gut that I thought this was Leshwi talking with Ven Venly later in Rhythm of War. Whenever they kind of have their moment of realization, um. Because Lesh, we seem to know way more than we thought. But I don't think she's that well at that. Like, the diction is a good point that, that you brought up. How it was said, I don't think that's quite right. So You are incorrect. Okay, so you guys are in the right ballpark. You're a little too far in the story, though. This is a spread talking. So you're kind of right about that. They are talking about who? So I thought they were Renarin? talking about Renarin. Correct. Yes. They are talking about Renarin. So who's talking about Renarin? It is Yasna about to execute Renarin at the end of Oathbringer, and Ivory, her spren, is talking to her about Renarin. Okay. 
that adds up. I, I was really struggling with who. Yeah, I, I obviously I knew it was about Renarin, but I, I was struggling to see like who was. I don't. Yeah, that that makes sense because I'm not. Uh, my gosh, that was tricky. I'm like, it makes sense because we kind of knew it was a spren, but we weren't right. expecting. Ivory doesn't really say that yeah. much. Right. Ivory really does not have a lot of lines, so I guess that's why it kind of threw us. That was a good one. I do I do think Ivory's cool. Side note. All right. Back to Paul for your review, sir. <laughs> I laughed when I read this one to start. Yeah. Rating this book takes me back to 2008 when I rated the movie The Dark Knight 6 out of 10. I admit to not understanding the story to even half completion. Lots of chapters are subtle. The epilogue is representative of that. But I can only relay what I could understand. I found many of the stories in the book to be as unsatisfying as Soulcast Grain. The book for me was indeed a dirty trick. But I'll be there when book five comes chugging. Okay. So, so the the natural logical thing would be saying that this is book four. This is rhythm of war. The the what he was talking about made me think a bit of Oathbringer. That's where I was leaning toward. So I'm like, I wonder if that waiting for book five is kind of a red herring. I'm gonna say this is a three out of five rating. I I just have to when book five. I I mean I have to just say that this is this is three out of five rhythm of war. I'm gonna just try to not overcomplicate it. All right, Elliot. But I I really thought it was Oathbringer until that last last line. I, I follow Paul's logic, and, and I've got even more that it is going to support the exact same answer. I feel like the scientific nature of rhythm of war or the all, all the Navani like research and, and developing experiments and stuff like that, I think could play into the I didn't understand for what was going on in this is this book. Whereas Oathbringer is a little more like emotional driven and easier to follow, probably. The reference to the dark knight makes sense whatsoever i don't know what in the world that was about i've i've I've, i ignored that part i just i the one the piece i I liked your three out of five because they said oh this reminds me when i rated the dark knight six out of ten which would be three out of five so my my logic is pointing to three out of five rhythm of war as well i want to differentiate though to give a give a chance to pull ahead here it's uh, it's it's rhythm of war, and it's rhythm of war. I'm gonna go two out of five, and they're just trying to make a comparison that everyone was mad at them for Dark Knight, and so everyone was mad at them for their two out of five of rhythm of war. Final answer. You are correct. It is rhythm of war. A redacted sentence that I did not read reads as the following. And now I'm giving the book that many said is the book of the year a one out of five. Oh, wow. Wow. So you were correct that most of them or other people thought their rating of the Dark Knight was harsh and they thought Rhythm of War was one out of five. Equally harsh. That's right. and and you were absolutely right, Elliot. That was why I went with three out of five. Was the half of six out of ten? Yeah. yeah. So I I wouldn't have faulted you at all if you just if you went with that. But that's that one out of five. That does surprise me. It surprises me that you could rate it one out of five. I don't know. Maybe it's partly a joke. Like rating it one out of five. Like this was the worst it could have. Like rating it the lowest you can rate it. And being like, I can't wait for book five. Like, I will be there for book five. You but know? then, That's yeah, and then one. talking about your six out of ten rating for Dark Knight, and then saying you'll be there for book five. Like, people are funny. Yeah, this this is a comical one. 
All right, Elliot. It is one to one, and here comes your trivia question to take the point for the week. Okay. Yoxka, a Thalen lady living in Kolinar, gives refuge to Kaladin, Shalon, and Adolin in Oathbringer as they try to liberate the city. What is her occupation? The name does not ring a bell. That's why I put it in there. It didn't ring a bell for me either. <laughs> <laughs> but, Lady with Occupation in Kolinar, I do recall them going for help to Adolin's tailor. You are correct. That is that is correct. Her name is Yoxka. I almost asked for her name, which would have been really mean, but I didn't. I asked for her occupation, which is is why I asked for this because she's introduced as Adolin's tailor. It's not her name yep. dropped like once, but she's always referred to as Adolin's tailor. So yes, you are correct, and Elliot gets the point. Yes, that was good. I don't know if I would have gotten it on the technicality. I was going to say seamstress. I probably would have given it to you. That's fair. So it's just. I'm a- impressed. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Though, wow, that that was that was a tough one. But mine was an educated guess, and I'm surprised I was on. But Taylor nailed it. That's good. All right, we will reconvene next week. Thanks for joining me, Paul. Bye bye. Peace out. <laughs>